And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to RU Instant Reaction Review. I am your host, RUScreening.com's own Mark Eastman, and with me, as always, is co-host extraordinaire Shane Leonard. Hello. And uh, this week, assuming that uh, this is working, right? <laughs> it, little little trouble, but yeah. Uh, this week we're uh, going back to Divergent, uh, and we're also going to do the Grand Budapest Hotel. We did a whole show on Divergent last week. It was awesome, too, by the <laughs> it way. Was it a was a great show. It was probably the greatest show that we've ever done with, like, guest stars like Tom Cruise <laughs> that is and just, Jude Law. That's just the way that it goes. Yeah. Uh, when you're going to have a technical failure, th- that's when it's going to be. So um, <laughs> now we're having technical checks. No, no, now, yeah, cool. all of our technical now stuff Now it's all going to loop good. together and feedback <laughs> and whatever. Right. Um, yeah, so last week we did Divergent, and it was kind of cool because we did our uh, our very cool thing. We have to apologize to uh, sorry Julie, Julie in Portland, right. Oregon, right? Uh, because we, we and then not only that, but we set it up the week before, like we talked about right. how we were going to do it. Now we've done it, and it's not really going to exist. Well, and, and here's the thing, just because it was somewhat calling me out for some things, which is okay, just right. questions, not that I'd done mistakes. Mark came up with a list of some films. Julie sent in a couple and wanted to know if I could remember what my grade was and what I would give it now. Right. And the biggest, the biggest glaring problem was Lawless. Right. I, I thought highly of it. I thought better of it, and it turns out I gave it like 1.7 stars right, or something. And, right. and that was a weird one because I really thought better of it. But when we started talking about it, we remembered the things that we both didn't like about it. But the others, give or take, I was pretty close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was within ballpark with right. a couple, and I argued a couple balls and strikes. I kicked some dirt on you right, as the ump because right. I thought you were playing unfair. But, but it, it stunk, too, because it was actually a fun, like, 20 minutes. It was, yeah. And we're really sorry, Julie. And, and even, you know, just going back uh, over, over some of the things, and even if you got it right, but yeah. just having you go, well, let me think about it. There were a couple. A while. Yeah, Julie yeah. sent in a couple. It was uh, Oblivion. Or no, uh, it was Oblivion, Oblivion and Lawless. Right, and the whole thing came from... In a show not too long ago, right. you saying that we both rated Oblivion mm-hmm. ten, right? Which it turns out we didn't, and right. that's it was why. Just under, so yeah. that was uh, that was the double awesome part of the yeah. whole thing was just that Julie's listening, hears you say that, right? And obviously has listened for a long time and says, "Wait a minute, now I did don't he, remember did, that." Did, yeah. did they give that? Well, in a so weird that way, was, that was cool right there. Yeah, it was it, partially because we love. Any listener knew we're long right. time, but that we actually love getting people emailing us. It's really cool to get praise. Like you guys do great. You know, Shane, you sound awesome. Right. Stuff like that. That's the majority of the emails. <laughs> but it's awesome when people call in and like, you guys don't know what you're doing. Right. This is, you know, I love those just as much. Yeah. So that was, it was a really fun segment and Mark decided to pad it a little bit because he was going to throw a few more films in like Spider-Man. And right, there I, were, there I, were a few. I added a couple, and and that was just fun. I remember thinking at one point, like, I did I give that four or a six? Right. It was either just above or just below average. Right. Uh, I, I guess I'll, you know, I right. mean, but but it was a good reminder, and and strangely enough, for now that I thought more about it when, after we did the show and it vanished, um, you know, we've given so few tens, we've given a right. couple, right. Wreck-It Ralph will always be one I remember because I was right. so blown away by it. But you know, and anyone who's listened for a long time. I would have been the same way as Julie, been like, wait a minute, I don't remember. I mean, it was high, right. but it wasn't a 10. So anyway, sorry, Julie, that right. was out of our control. It was also very interesting for me having to go back, uh, and I, yeah. you know, we talked about this last week when we did the show, but 
Uh, it what was, a great it, show it, it was. It was interesting for me just because uh, I w- had to go back and look through all the podcast ratings and go, what can I give him yeah. that maybe he'll have to think about? Because, you know, like you said, obviously I can't say, so what did you give Wreck-It Ralph? Or, well, yeah, and, and or what, did, what did you give Carrie? Or, yeah, you, you know, like things that are that too. too high and too low are not going to be interesting. But what, yeah. I, what really kind of like threw me about doing that was Spider-Man. Yeah. Because I, we went back to look at, I have, went back trying to get some scores and I looked at Spider-Man and I said, Oh, okay. So this is what we gave it. And then I thought about it for a minute and I was like, I couldn't rate that right now at all. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't say, so what does it deserve now? Because that's what she asked was, what do you think you rated it? Right. And then uh, part of her whole thing was, has your opinion changed over time or do you yeah. like stuff better now? Or does you know, whatever, because of the instant reaction. That's yeah. right. And I was like, man, Spider-Man, I guess I could give that an instant reaction, but, I right. can't give it any rating now. I'd have to watch it again because yeah, it is. Are we going to watch? Are you going to watch my Because the sequel's coming up pretty pretty soon. Are I will. I will probably watch it before yeah. I watch the second one. Um, the one thing that I guess I thought real quick in closing about that anyway for Julie is that I thought the interesting idea is the more time that goes by, do you often you know do I often sour on a film or do I ever you know sweeten on it? After a while, like the instant reaction is the premise of the show, which is, you know, what we love doing the best for this. Um, But later, you know, do you often get, you know, one way or the other? And I think I think what I said or what I mean to say is I can I can more often sweeten on something if I watch it again. Right. Like I want to watch Lawless again because I was surprised at how low my rating was and my memory for it not being that low. I remember Resident Evil. I remember Carrie. I remember Cab. You know, right. all these films that we saw that we really didn't that we like. Hated. I remember those, and I don't really want to rewatch Carrie to see if I still feel the same way. I'm pretty sure right. I'm going to feel the same way. But Lawless, I remember being more favorable, and I haven't seen it since we watched it. Right. So, but I feel like if I watch a film, it it increases the likelihood that I will like it more, right? Instead of dislike it more, and that's just that's based on how I've seen films over and over again and I've often liked them better. But well, anyway. Um you know, the only the only thing I usually change, I think, is a lot of times I'll rate a movie really high right after I see it. Yeah. And then, you know, like a couple years later, maybe I'll go right. Eh, well, right, you know, right. like if I give something like nine and a half, I'll go, uh, you know, if I had given that eight and a half, I wouldn't care. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't. We, you know, my family and my, my, my friends years ago, we do these lists that we've talked about before at the end of the year. And one of the things we always include are the films. And it's really hard if you see a really good film, because all the Oscar contenders come out at the end of the year. If we've seen a film that's really strong at the end of the year, it really has a good shot at making the list just because we've got three days to finish our list. And we're still riding high That's on it. Right and there. then come February, you're like, man, what, was, what did that get on there for? Right. So anyway, it happens. Yeah. But anyway. It was a fun uh, thing. Which is, uh, you know, just makes the whole Oscar season so strange. And yeah, right. Movies come out at the beginning of the year. Did, we, did, did you get emails about the lack of a show last week? Were there a, a uh, I did, of them? I did get a few, some? but I did, not a lot. A really. couple of people I asked mean, me. But yeah, and I just we, said, we did get some. And then I, you know, I put a thing on Facebook that said... You know these were crazy te- were technical difficulties. So, anyway. <laughs> so now, oh. now the dog is loose. He's okay. Um, yeah. So actually, I did say in our in, in a Facebook post that uh, the ratings that we gave. So Divergent, which we should kick out our ratings. Yeah. Uh, I gave it an eight, and you gave it a five. A five. So yeah. it was actually a fair split. Which, uh, speaking of listener questions, right? Yeah. And uh, you can email us at questions at com. And if you have questions, comments, you know, want to tell yeah. us we're wrong about everything. Right. <laughs> um, one of the things that we do get a lot of the time is general comments about uh, us differing yeah. in our rating. Because a lot of times we just end up the same. We're pretty close. And when yeah. you hit, when you go see Carrie, it's like yeah. there's probably not. I'm waiting for that movie. <sighs> yeah, I really am. It's so funny how many shows we were just talking about this too. This is like hundredth show or this something. is pretty close. This is either the hundredth show or it's like right there. We're getting close. Not counting is. our review thing and our in our projected, um, but yeah, right. But it, 
we don't often have huge differences, which right. it was kind of funny because Lawless, even though I didn't rate it that high, but I think I gave it like six yeah. out of ten or whatever. That and was you the gave biggest. It like two I gave or it not quite just two under or whatever. Two. Yeah. Uh, so that was a really big one. And this is a pretty big difference. And yeah. now we get to re-talk about the movie for a really long time. And we did, it for, we did it for an hour last week, so we can really hit the easy parts. You know, I did, uh, I did give it a five, but I said that I felt the, the fun was like a six and a half. But right. the five came from a very interesting point, which is I purposefully didn't read the book, and right. you and purposefully I, and did. I did right. And and I think in weird ways, that's kind of interesting as well, because uh, I think maybe this is one of those types of vehicles that is really built for the the audience that have read the book, right. like it, clearly. And, it, and like what you said, it obviously wants to fill the niche that the Hunger Games and the Harry Potters and all right. these other dystopian teen films, you know, want to do. Um, but I was just confused by a few things. And again, not having known the source material, I still had a good time. I still thought the strength of the film was when um, Tris was basically learning, you know, all of the stuff that she had to learn. Right. And then I thought that it was kind of uneven and choppy and how quickly it jumped and moved. She basically graduated. It would be like if Harry Potter finished his second year at school and then, you know, went on to finish the book. Like right. not, not have any time in between. She just learned how to punch and then she was taking on the administration. Right, right. So it felt a little fast and uneven to me, but I still had a lot of fun. I still think it would have been more enjoyable if I'd read it. But from the perspective of someone who walked into it flat, I was like, it's, it's got really good strengths, but it's got some really weird negatives. Right. And, and I think that it's, uh, you know, all of these kind of books where th there's actually like, there's sort of two different kinds of story happening in this movie. And one of them is, in a way a lot closer to the Hunger Games, right? Yeah. Because it's this whole dystopian world and we're trying to fight the power right. and whatever, right? And that part of the story, we don't get a lot out of any explanation of why we're there or how it makes sense or yeah. anything like that, which the Hunger Games is kind of conveniently built so that you don't really need to worry about it too much. Right. You don't need a lot of the backstory because it's just, look, they're these games. Right. And these are the oppressed people. And this one doesn't really have the oppressed people. Yeah. And yet it just still is the same sort of world they're uh -huh. trying to sell. Yeah. But what you get is that in trying to work this into a screenplay now, yeah. you don't get the explanation of kind of how any of it makes sense. Yeah. And in the Hunger Games, you don't really need it. You don't. Yeah. You don't need to explain how that makes sense because look, dude, games. Right. And yeah. we're going to kill Rumble each other. It. Right. And in this one, there's a lot of stuff like where you have your your different sections that everybody has to go into, and you you know you've got the intelligent people and the warriors right. and the like almost pacifist farmer right. group and all this stuff. For one thing, it's like. You don't get an explanation, um, and it's weird to go back over this again when we did this it is last funny. week. It, this but, feels a little deja vu-ish, yeah, because I'm looking at you and we're saying the but same it's, thing. So. It's, uh, you know, you don't get an explanation of why uh, the one group feels like they have to take over the other group. Right. They're like kind of selling themselves. on The one group is kind of the leaders, yeah. but it's not like they're exactly in power. Right. We don't get any indication of why they are sort of in power in a real way. Right. It's almost like, you know, he, the, the one guy is the president or the leader or whatever, but we don't really see that it means much yeah. of anything. So you don't get any explanation of how it makes sense that they would want to take them over. And you don't get any explanation about how, like why the group that is the army needs anyone else to help them to take over. Right. Like, why, they do, they, need, do, it, why right. do they need it to be her idea? Yeah. yeah. And why do we need this mind control thing? Yeah. When we could just go, look, we're we, doing it. We got all the guns. Stop us. Right. And, Stop and you're well, farmer. I guess one group could be like, well, we got all the food. And be like, again, we got all the guns. <laughs> right. Like, really, where's the, where's the you know, divinity in yeah, that? Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of strange stuff going on uh, from that side of things. But then the other part of the movie is almost kind of an Ender's Game thing, where it's yeah. like going to school, and it's your your uh, time spent being harassed at school, but not only that, but you're in bully school. 
Right. So, so it's like basically. So it's like you're really, you know, Ender had nice people. Yeah. And in this movie, they're like, you know, her friends and everything. And so you've got a couple of outs because you've got a couple of people who are friends, except that they'll force you to fight each other. And, it, you know, then it's like Thunderdome and Ender's Game all mixed together. And it's it's very weird. But you have this uh, a lot of Ender's Game the stuff that was interesting was how he went through the school. Right. And a lot of what works in this movie is when she's going through the school. And yeah. that's a lot of what happens in the book. And you don't get a lot of the real meat of that either. Right. Because you don't, you know, there's, like I said before, <laughs> there's, a, you know, there's like the bully guy. And basically he just like shows up at the beginning of the movie with a bully sign. Yeah. And you're just supposed to go, look, he's the bad guy. And then we have their friends. So there are a couple scenes where it's, you know, the two girls and these two girls and two guys and Tris is one of them. Yeah. And it's like they're sitting huddled near each other like they're talking. And you're supposed to go, well, see, they're friends. Right, and then that's it. We don't have to explain that anymore. We right. just go. You you will figure out that they've been in school for a while and they're friends and deal with it. So you don't get a lot of you know. There's a lot. There's a lot in the screenplay translation that, like you like you said, you know, this is sort of not necessarily altogether for you if you haven't read the book. Right, and it's sort of like you know i mentioned last week when we covered it before like dune right i right. mean dune is just you're supposed to have read the book and yeah. if you haven't too bad and this movie right. really feels like it's leaning heavily toward that side yeah. anyway it's it's not all the way there i certainly never felt lost at any point but i felt like there were a lot of moments that clearly made more sense if I knew more of what I did. Right. There are some films that I think, some adaptations that are unapologetic. They basically say, ask the person next to you, but we're not slowing down. Right. And this is not one of them. I, it's very, it's very broad strokes. It's kind of cliche to do things, but you know, this is the brooding mentor. This is the, like you said, this guy shows up and he's the bully. He looks like the bully. He's the bully. Right. And then you've got the expendable friend or the (laughs) question or the insecure friend or, you know, and and through it all, it's basically for and Triss's movie, and of course it's Triss is the main character. And I thought, um, you know, she did a good job helping me without knowing the source material get through it, like we said last week, which is going to be a mantra for at least another twenty minutes, I think. I thought that you know she conveyed everything she needed to convey in in a film where more often than not, like you don't trust your actress to do it, you'd use the music to do it. Like, this is, right. a, this is a sad moment. We're going to do sad music. Like, you don't need that for right. her. Right. And, and uh, one of the other things we said several times last week is that she's really Shailene good. Shailene great. Most of she's the time, really great. She is, she's really good. The, the one thing I would caution, you know, I don't know how deeply we'll cover it or, or not. I mean, certainly it's doing pretty well at the theater. It's one of the things that I did say, and not knowing the source material was, the trailer that I saw was not the film that we saw. Right. The trailer really looks like a combination of The Matrix and The Hunger Games and all these different things by the way that the story in the trailer is cut. And when I'm watching the film, it, it really goes in a kind of similar direction, but really not the same path. No, not at all. So if you're, if you're judging it, and you haven't read the book, if you're judging it by the trailer and it seems interesting to you, it's still a good movie. But don't let that dictate what the but film the, you're going to see, because it's really not the same movie. Right. The trailer is pretty heavily on the side of, let's show a couple things that remind <laughs> you of other things that you like. Right. And then you will want it to come like see this, the, even if it has nothing to do with The, the stuff movie. where she's doing her test, and, and they're like, nobody, nobody does it like that, or, you know, oh, you're divergent, you know, and then go out the back door, and we'll meet you with the Freedom Fighters and all that stuff. Exactly. That looked like The Matrix meets The Cell. Like, for me, that, right. that old, like, Jennifer Lopez, Vincent D'Onofrio film, like, I'm like, man, this is like The Cell. This is going to be a and mind it, trip. It, it was, not like it the really cell. looks like in the trailer, it looks like what happens is she walks out from the test and then, you know, gets, like, semi-abducted by right. the, you know, all the right. other divergents. Yeah. And then she goes to the secret underground bat cave of the divergent people yeah. and then 
something will happen. Now the revolution whatever, begins, right? and they yeah. use their divergence for you know, and it, it and really it has, does look and, like and that. that. And that doesn't have anything and to if do we with had, what happened. If we if we started watching trailers and I and we had to both say this is the film we're going to see in thirty seconds, I would have put that out right, and I would have been totally wrong. Like right. that's not even remotely close <laughs> right. to it. But, but anyway, yeah, it, it was still a lot of fun, even though I found it kind of middling. It, it was, and it, you know, it has interesting things going on. Um, it maybe is not as interesting as it thinks it is, or at I least, agree. at least, it doesn't actually. That also kind of goes back to Dune, the original movie, in certain ways because. There are parts in that movie. I actually really like that movie too. So do I. <laughs> I mean, but I read the book. So right, right. I mean, I'm you know. Right. I I read the book. Obviously. I wouldn't have seen it if and, I didn't um, read the book. I really like that movie, and I like even the fact that it's unapologetic about that. You just have to read the book, and it says, right. "Look, I don't care." There are some things in there that I mean, there's no way you could know. Yeah. Really, what's going on if you haven't read the book? Because you know they don't tell you anything. Right, and there there are huge parts where you'd just be going, uh, but also at the same time there are certain parts of that movie where I think what happens is that they put a part of the movie out there and go, this is really interesting because you just know from the book why this is really interesting, right. and now it's really interesting because I'm doing what's in the book, right. and it's kind of not exactly, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean. Yeah. Most of the time, that movie works really well, I think. But there are times when you're really just kind of like resting on the laurels of the book and just saying, it's good because it's in the book, and I'm sort of doing what's in the book, and now that means what I'm doing is good. Right. And this right. movie does the same thing yeah. a, a fair amount of time, actually, when it has a conversation or something, and it's like, this is a good, interesting conversation that I'm filming because yeah. it's in the book. And I'm going... That you know, doesn't mean that you're filming a conversation even, in a good way, right, you know? Right. I mean. Even even there's a point when she's taking her training, you know, in the military uh, side of things. It, again, and I'm only going by the preview, and I'm not I'm not stuck on this, but it's just to reinforce, like, there was a point where, you know, you, you're on a leaderboard, and the bottom 10 or 20 get cut, and she's really bad at a lot of stuff, because right. she's been growing up, like, doing whatever else she's been doing. Right. And and there was a point there where I thought, she's still going to get cut, and then she's going to be ushered out the back door, and they're going to meet the Freedom Fighters that are divergent. Right, like, I still right. thought the trailer was going to exactly. happen. And I thought, well, this is kind of neat. Like, they're really hooking you on this whole thing. And in a lot in a lot of the ways, like the way Ender's Game was watching, you know, Ender go through all the classes and all the different battle rooms and all the stuff, that was really fun. Right. Like, I thought it showed more character and more more actual narrative of what was happening in the film than anything else that just kind of seemed like, oh, we're getting close to a two-hour running time. we got to throw something in. Right. The thing, I guess, that bums me out, and I don't know if you've read any more of the books. No. If you, no. A few people that had asked me about the, the review that we did last week said that they'd read um, two of the three and they're finishing the third and that they thought the first one was the strongest. And I'm like, oh, man, oh. if this is a trilogy and I just saw the best... Right. The you first know, book, it. the first book is good. Though. It seems really fun, so we'll see. But um, the, the first book really is good. But if they go down, but you know that, uh, like you just said, she was going to fail, and then they were going to. I thought take she her was out. totally going to drop there, out, man. There was a point at which uh, I, because I like you, I'm still looking for that other movie that yeah. I think is going to happen to show up. And it's not only that she's, you know, there's like this cut list, and then there's like you're in the red. Uh, of, yeah, of right. The, the zone, the, yeah. and, and then if you're in the red at the end, you're done. Yeah, and then you just become classless, and then you wander the literally classless. That's awesome. You you, you wander the oh yeah, you're like a, you're like whatever. a like a vagrant basically. Which which the movie doesn't exactly make a lot of sense out of either, right? right? Like how how could that be in your yeah, beautiful system that you've created to well foster peace, love, and understanding and make right. people get along and all that stuff, except you. <laughs> I mean, it's except like, you. It's like, how well, does that this work? Is, this was one of those things that as a guy who didn't read the, the movie and I'm watching the film, I'm like, they've got to do something. It starts off with this big, uh, now I'm remembering everything we said last week, right. we don't have to go through it all, but it, it clearly is in Chicago or just outside of Chicago and it shows this big right. fence and there's all these hints to all these things that are either there in the book or coming in the next one. And 
it, and it just doesn't give you an idea of like what you said moments ago, which is how did these guys come to be? How did this faction get to be in charge? But also, like, why are there factions? Why can't you know you just kind of have like a community instead of segregation? Right. They it somebody it, in their infinite wisdom a long time ago this, decided. And, and this was one of the things I remember criticizing the film last week on, which is despite all the positives, I've seen this happen in stories from Lord of the Flies to everything everything else after that. Even the Breakfast Club, like when you start segregating people, and then they come together, it never works. Right. Like you just if you're smart enough to know this. The law society who had been, you know, like, we can only tell the truth. They should have been like, this ain't going to work. We <laughs> right, know. Right. Like, and you know it. Like, right. So it just, and then, that, yeah, that's another, the whole nexus of the, of the, the universe doesn't make sense to me, but I'm still supposed to just be like, okay, let's just tag along because I want to see her fight. Right. You know, and, 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 and then, you know, like you said, there's, there's the big fence surrounding yeah. Chicago that, yeah. that they built to keep out whatever. And then you don't know, they hint at, at some point in the past, there was a, purpose there right. was something there was out something there right or now. there were we don't know if there were people or how Did they the tell world... you in the book you don't have to ruin I, it because i mean i would yeah read it, I, but i don't know that they um, actually say anything really in weird. the first anyway. book and i haven't read any of the other books but it does give you this whole thing like what's going to happen next right. is that we're going to find out what's out there and then what's what's weird about it in the movie for me is that it seems so fake that the whole wall thing seemed really fake the whole wall thing it. yeah felt like in the movie it just feels like that's how somebody got everyone in to right. stay in not to keep anything out you know it's sort of like the village right and uh or or you know it almost seems like kind of a logan's run kind of a thing yeah. where it's like you can't go out but then if you get out you realize there's nothing actually out there right. it's just it's just that uh you know the system was developed so that you'd stay in here long enough right to have the fallout clear yeah. or for however many generations or God knows what. But it seemed like this weird fake wall yeah. that doesn't really serve a purpose of keeping anything out. And you sure as hell never see anybody guarding the wall. You don't All the ever, people yeah. who are supposed to be guarding the wall, they're just all doing their training and yeah. jumping around. And right, yeah. There's nothing but stairs on the wall. It's yeah. just... It's just it's and, literally just and it really staircase is just after staircase, staircase yeah. and then going all around, scaffolding but there's and, no one on it right. ever. So. You know, and I understand, you know, not to stay too deeply on the thing, but I do get the flip side of this. I don't want a whole dissertation on the world before. Like, there's, there's sometimes you run the risk of explaining midichlorians too much, right? Exactly. you know, or just what you do is something like with The Walking Dead where you're like, nobody knows what happened, but right. this is the world, now deal with it. Like, right. But don't pretend that there's a history. Like, they don't ever, you know, they didn't for a while. Um, this one seemed to basically exist proudly on the fact that it had this huge backstory, but never hinted it to me. And I just figured it was something in the book, and so never, I let it go. And never really <laughs> even bothered to try to make sense right. out of it. They yeah. just said... It's almost sort of like, like you said, either explain it, even you'll, poorly, you'll either but, explain it too much or you won't right. explain it at all. And if you explain the right thing, not at all, right. that can work too, yeah. like in The Walking Dead or right. like in, uh, you know, certain books or movies that have magic. Yeah. They don't go and too And you don't explain it right. or you don't it's like just, talk yeah. about how magic so, works or whatever, you know, whatever. Anyway. Did you want to do? Because one of the things that we had last week was yeah, a bunch we of really not, cool clips, we and we never actually, got to them. Yeah, we did not actually so get to our interview clips, so we might as well play them. Yeah, we've got cool. uh, Shailene Woodley <clears throat> and Theo James, and assuming that anything is working. These aren't too long either, so it's, a, it's This fine. might as well, too. This uh, first one is uh, Shailene Woodley uh, explaining the story, and then why people should see the movie and why it's cool. fantastic and awesome. I see Divergent as a movie about integrity. A young adult, it follows a young adult, a young woman, who leaves a faction behind which values selflessness and transfers herself into a faction that values bravery. And there's another faction that values intelligence who is trying to take over many things that they don't have the right to take over. And throughout the movie, Triss, this young woman, has to bring together her community to change some paradigms and to shift some paradigms of thinking in order to not only save the current world that she lives in, but also remind people of the importance of integrity and the importance of, of being who you are and sticking to your truth. 
So now she's totally talking about a different movie there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, yeah, I like, I like her take on it. It's, yeah. it's interesting. But that also reminds me of another thing that uh, we talked about last week and didn't talk about yet this week, and that is that uh, they don't even really explain the factions, which yeah. I wish they would have at least give us a little bit of setup, like I talked about last time. There's one faction that's like the truth. Right. Apparently, what's great about them is they always tell the truth. Yeah. That doesn't even make any sense. Right. And they don't give you anything, except that they show one scene where it looks like you're kind of in a weird court. Right. And people are telling the truth at each other. (laughs) Right. Which, you know, quite frankly, uh, is not what lawyers do. Right. (laughs) So I don't know why. This is an interesting biased perspective for you. I don't know why we're showing lawyers in like a courtroom. That's an interesting admission, man. I like that. Well, I I can't wait to ask certain people about that. It's true. Yeah, I know. know. (laughs) But anyway, um, I just think it's so weird that they they give nothing to that. They show... You know, the intelligent people, they show them working in labs. Right, and, and then the, the peace the, people were farming and giving right. out grain or whatever. And then the truth people right. were we, pointing we fingers. At least, but. We at least get that, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> that you're farmers. It's so weird that they say they're like, they're kind and gentle and they're happy all the time and all this. And they're farmers. And, right. and it's like, that's all they do. Yeah. Like, I right. think they live there even. I mean, they yeah, didn't I even do, show them like having houses or whatever. They yeah. Were, I don't know. So if you're if you're good and kind, you're a farmer. Right. And if you're smart, then you work at a lab with test tubes right. and uh, have stuffy clothes and walk around in big glass buildings. And if you're a truth person, <laughs> I have a no lawyer. idea what you You're do. a lawyer. <laughs> but how can there be lawyers? A funny alternate reality. I don't know. It's really weird. Um, yeah, and, and everyone, like, so sticks to their own kind yeah. and, like, only talks to their own kind and stuff. So what are they lawyering? I mean, there's... Right. People right. don't have interactions in order to. Uh, You're looking too far behind the curtain. <laughs> I might be okay. So this that was actually. I mean, right before this, that was actually another good scene in the film. It was a very quick one when you know she is as like the military faction now. She goes to see her brother. Right. And and she's clearly and out of weird. place, and it's weird. And right. there's like you're not supposed to be here. We're not supposed to talk. Like right. it was, and that was effective. But. Right. All right. Here's another one uh, with uh, Shailene convincing you to see it. There's a bit of lag, apparently. Divergent visually is going to be extremely compelling, and I think that's going to bring a lot of people in because it's this new world, and it's it's full of new experiences and and new walls to sort of explore. But ultimately what drew me to this movie and what I think will draw a lot of people is that it's very metaphorical to things that are happening today. There's a lot of beauty in that. There's a lot of beauty in seeing a movie that visually is stunning and that takes you on a roller coaster of emotions through the characters' experiences but yet you can also relate to. And this being a dystopian, sort of futuristic world, and yet having so many comparisons to today's model and to what's going on in today's world, I think is very intriguing and very interesting. And I I think that a lot of people are supposed to have. Well, she's right about one thing. You know, the film is aesthetically really engaging. Yeah, I I thought it looked great. I think it did too. It was very cool. And not only that, but some of the... Some of the stranger things they did, I think that it, it's almost crazy to say, but the fact that it was like less was like more. Yeah, like there I were agree. there were scenes where they were you know they're jumping out of the train car onto the roof. Yeah, and it did not look like they had a fifty million dollar budget to make that <laughs> right. shot happen. It right. looked very simple, yeah. and and it was I thought better for yeah, it. I, I was too. like. I was actually, there were a couple of different points where I was thinking, you know, like, this is like a really, really spiffed up, like, BBC show from, like, the 80s. I did, too. There was, there, was a, there was a time, it's funny you say that, there was a time right around the end of her training where I thought, this, this is basically, like, the best Doctor Who, right, you know, right, exactly. Torchwood thing that I've ever seen. Right. Like, and, it, and, and I felt that way, not because of the acting, there's no accents or anything. It was the actual aesthetic of it. Like, yeah. the way that they, it looked when she was training, it looked like that kind of production. Yeah, and, yeah. and it, was, it was strange, but it was cool. It was and really cool. It was, like, a lot of those scenes where they do some actual serious action, mm-hmm. it was just cool for it to look like 
you know, we're not just trying to spend another million dollars on this minute of yeah, footage right. just so that you'll go, ooh, wow. And right. it just was, you know, it was kind of like uh, we talked about not too long ago when it was uh, the car chases that were real car chases and not right. just a bunch of CGI yeah, and need for speed, everything yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So anyway, that was pretty cool. There's one more I'm not going to play. I have two more, but I'm not going to play the other one. The yeah. uh, one I'm going to play is uh, Theo James, who is four, uh, talking about being divergent. Yeah, what it is to be divergent. I mean, at the beginning, you don't really know why it's such a, you know, it, it, it's such a problem or it's such a um, uh, a dangerous position to be in. Um, Tris is trying to discover that herself. Uh, you know, the concept, I suppose, is the world has reached a point at, uh, where these people live within their factions, um, so they kind of they have to adhere to a certain way of thinking. So, in in a way, there's kind of crossovers with you know the concepts of a totalitarian regime where people kind of if they if they step outside the boundaries of normality or, or the the you know the the propaganda or the, the the kind of the main core values of the system they're seen as different or divergent or you know they're diverging from the norm and thus are dangerous I suppose that's probably Veronica's concept in its essence but then what happens here is um, divergent represents someone who can deviate from the norm and also can subvert the system I suppose, so that's why it's dangerous but you don't really know in what full context the danger comes from but you start to discover why and it's because you know, they're, they're basically trying to curb people's thinking and curb their behaviour to, to one, one way essentially And you know, really what's interesting I think about both of those is that it's almost like they're both doing accents in the movie Yeah even though you wouldn't know it. Right. But they right. don't talk like that. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, he didn't sound like that at all. So No, it's pretty cool. You know, you know, again, for for a five star film that I thought I still had a better experience with it and I still think like we said last week, I think it's a really fun time. I think people should go check it out and and if if you're interested in that and you're looking for a hole to fill for the Hunger Games or for that kind of thing, this is a good start. Right. So And I think it's uh hopefully kind of interesting to a fair number of people that this is one that is uh, a little more the end of the Hunger Games instead of the beginning. Because it's not just a bunch of crazy action all the time. It's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of just talking in this movie. Yeah. And I think that's, a lot more than you're used to seeing in, especially if you watch the trailer. Like, we, right? Like well, you said, if you think you're getting what's in the trailer, there's a lot more talking. And Shailene, it's a lot slower. Yeah, and Shailene Woodley's character Tris is is really interesting. You know, within the the world that that, that they've got there. But I actually thought Theo James's character Four, uh, like the number four, was almost more interesting in a lot of ways because he was the top of that class. He was the best military guy when he graduated and the bully is like second, you know, when you find that out later, but you come to see like when he, when he shows, they all get tattoos. When you come to see his tattoo, it's across his back in this enormous sprawling ink and he's got all the factions represented. Right. Like he basically says, look, I'm all military, but I think we can be a balance of all of it. Right. And I thought that was, I mean, that alone deciding. Yeah. He says, I don't want to be just one. thing. Right. And I thought that's an easy way to get kicked out of your group. Like don't ever let anybody see your tattoo because bully's going to be like, you're out. Right. You know, that's sympathy to ever. But so I thought there was a lot there that he was of interest to, and he, he was really strong on the film too. Yeah. He, he was good. Uh, You know, (laughs) I forgot to even mention uh, when we, I don't know, got sidetracked or whatever, but, you know, like you were saying that you uh, kept expecting, you know, that a movie we that other thought movie. was going to happen yeah. to show up. I There was a time when I was really starting to think, you know, there was like that red, like I said, there's yeah. the, you're, you're in the bottom, you're in the red, and if you're in the red at the end, you're out, <laughs> yeah. and then you're a homeless you're person a popper, or yeah. whatever. I, I thought there was going to be a thing where it was like... Um, what the hell's the name of the faction? <laughs> I can't remember the, the, oh, yeah. the Dauntless. Yeah, Dauntless. That's, that's it. Right. We knew them all last week. I thought there was going to be like a thing where uh, failing at Dauntless was like how you got into uh, some other right. class that's like the secret class right. that no one talks about. Yeah. And it's like if you go in there and, you know, and you 
can't do what they want you to do. Right. And then that would be cool too. That's how you get into this other faction where really they're running everything. They're, yeah. And they're actually in charge of everything. And that and, would be a great movie too. <laughs> that, we didn't see either of those. Right. We have. Two, we still saw a good film. We have two different movies. We've got that this, are better than this, this trilogy's movie. already done. So. Anyway, all right. So that's as good as that's getting. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Right. So uh, we have to jump out with our, our ratings, I guess. Wes Anderson movie. Yep. And uh, everyone is in it. Yeah. Right? Everyone that's ever been in a Wes Anderson film, I think, is in this. That's probably true. Except for no Bruce uh, Willis. Like the, young, uh, the young bellboy guy. He's, oh, yeah, right. He's, he's not new. been in one before. Right. But, uh, um, so, okay, ratings. Uh, I... I, uh, this is going to be weird because now I'm just uh, stuck in a loop or something, but I give this one like an eight and a half. Huh. I'm kind of like eight, eight and a half. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you right now, um, this movie got to a certain point where it really kind of lost me and then I wasn't that interested towards the end. But like up huh. until that point, it was a 10. Yeah. And then it just, I don't know, it, it was almost like he had this idea and then he had all these little bits that he was going to pop into the idea at different points for yep. like little uh cool scenes he thought were interesting and everything yeah but then he got to where he had to end it and he was like so then do some of this and stuff and then <laughs> i don't know that west yeah i don't know that west anderson's films ever really end the way they begin like the first 20 minutes of an of a west anderson film is like magic. Like you're in right. this new world and these characters and these things. One of the strongest openings to any film I've ever seen was Moonrise Kingdom. The yeah. first 20 minutes of that film, I was on the phone to people saying, I, I don't know how the rest of this film is going to be, but if it's like this, I've just seen one of the best films I've ever seen. Like right. this is amazing. And he just has such a way of like just taking you by the hand and leading you into this world that he's made like almost brick by brick. It right. seems like. Uh, I, I'm, I'm between nine and nine and a half. I really, I really want to give it nine and a half. And I think that's where I'm ultimately going to stand. It was, it was a trip for me. It was so much fun. Yeah, and, it and, was. And because I like Wes Anderson's films, it's not biasing me to it to say that. I mean, of course I do like his movies, but I know how they end and I know how they begin. Like right, I'm, right. I'm kind of more interested in what's in the middle because I expect the end and the beginning to be the same way that they are. Right. And it, the end does come suddenly, I think, the, especially I, when it, you're enduring. It not, only, it not only comes suddenly, but it really kind of just felt like we got to a certain point. And, you know, first of all, you have like the crazy skiing scene. I loved I that hated scene. that I scene. loved that scene. I thought that I was so that. much fun. I hated that whole part. Oh, no. It was, it I don't was even like, know you anymore. It was like... Uh, I don't know. It was just it seemed it like, reminded me it seemed like a strange cop out of how we were doing stuff. It, it to, seemed like a terrific throwback to caper films and to chases and all it made me want to do was watch the fantastic Mr. Fox again. <laughs> I, I right. love and I love that movie. And, except and, except and for it was so it was so funny because it, that is almost exactly how the film ends too. Like there there's this really ridiculous chase and it looks great stylistically like you're having a good right. time. And boom, it's done. Right. Like, I mean... Well, and then, uh, except for uh, when he kills the guy. I thought that was cool. Spoiler. <laughs> right. No. Someone gets killed. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> There's a lot anyway, of... Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, that part I thought was cool. Once, once they were done, actually, right? As, yeah. As soon as they get done and there's... Uh, um, Christ, what's his name? Um, we get off the motorcycle, we're off the skis, and it kind of stops again. Willem Dafoe is goes, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Willem Dafoe. It goes back to like regular movie yeah. or whatever. Yeah, whatever I happens. loved it. When that happens, then I'm good again. All the stuff really, after that is Really, it was just okay. that like, it's like it was just the aesthetic. fact that they did that. Oh man, I, I thought was just was like, great. I thought that was terrible. I but then, then the end of the movie, uh, you know, it's just, we get to, it, it, it's almost like, uh, a weird like Raymond Chandler novel or something where, I see that. where it's like, um, and then I killed him. You put all the pieces, <laughs> like, you put all the pieces in play. You, you know, you knock them all over. And for me, it, it, you know, the film is like 
this amazing, it's not like Russian dolls. It's not like nesting dolls. It's more like a Rube Goldberg machine. And right. by that, I mean, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, it's those machines that, like, the, the board game Mousetrap is a Rube Goldberg. Right. You have a, a brick that falls over that hits a pillow that lights a candle that right. sends it's a balloon like in the, the air. OK Go like, video. Yeah. And, and for me, the whole film is like this really exciting, charismatic, inventive, creative Rube Goldberg machine where right. you put all these pieces into play. And once you start watching them topple, like those big domino rallies, right. pretty soon you're seeing something and you're engaged in it and you're hypnotized by it. And then it ends, and then it's done. Right. And all you have and left the, to do the last domino falls. The la- yeah. And then that's and then it. it's all over. There's no slowing down of anything. There's right. no cacophony or symphony of things. It's just boom, and then it's done. And for me, it's like that experience because then what you have is though it's got a sudden end to it, you have the pleasure of watching everything have fallen and tipped and topped and done all these creative things along right. the way. And then what you do is you reflect on everything you saw. And then the, Not, the, end, of the, the end of the Rube Goldberg machine is just, it you know, pulls down a little, a little button at the end. The end. Right. And then that's right. Or it fills you a glass of water. It's happened now. For me, for me, that experience is focusing more, uh, is recalling more about everything that got you to that moment than focusing on the last domino film. Right. And, and in, in a strange way, Wes Anderson's movies are not for everybody. If you want to see... It's strange. Like, I was thinking when I was driving over to the studio here to do the show, I thought, I loved this film leagues better than Now You See Me, which is probably the last caper film we saw that I can remember. I mean, like a caper-ish film, not like Need for Speed. This film is like the antithesis of like a Michael Bay film. It's not got all of these crazy things. But if you like that kind of feeling and you like that kind of film, I think you'd go nuts for this. I think anyone who likes Wes Anderson movies would like them. I think anyone sure. who likes them will love them. I film. think anyone who legitimately can say that they like movies will like this movie. They better because I'm it's actually a throwback. That, I'm throwing that That's a good gauntlet, gauntlet down. That's a good one because it's such a throwback to other films. But, it, and, but it's, also, it's also not. Right. I mean, it's, <laughs> absolutely, it's absolutely it, it's, it's, you know, invoking in a way kind of these old films. And I keep saying caper, but I mean, there's other things, but I feel like it was a caper film, but it's absolutely all by itself right. in how it's doing everything. And, and, and it's a blast, yeah. man. And, I mean, and not only that, it's kind of like, it, it's really probably a good thing to uh, bring up Rube Goldberg machines, right? right? Because everything about this movie actually you kind of fits in with that. Because what you do is you take something... Yeah, that everyone knows what it is, and then you make it do something that's totally different right. and serve some completely other purpose. Yeah, and that's like exactly that's what this this, this movie does. Uh, all everything about this movie. I mean, from the way that things are are shot with the camera mm-hmm. to what certain characters are supposed to do and yeah. what purpose they're supposed to serve in like developing the story and stuff. Yeah. Everything is completely on its head. They're, they're backwards and sideways and right. they don't do they Once you get to a certain point, you can kind of figure out what they're going to do, but they don't, they don't work as that character the way that they are meant to and you know even like Willem Dafoe is probably the second easiest character Mm -hmm. who is like the henchman of the bad guy family or whatever who's like just clearly this you know weird he's like his character is like a total throwback to like 20s, you know, he's the other gangster guy. He's like the number two gangster in like every movie. Right. Except that he's weird and odd and he looked like a vampire he looked like a werewolf too with his teeth and he did the most amazing things and he was always just the guy who when everyone else left the room if you were in the room with him you were dead right like don't be the last guy in the room with this character and the cat and the cat the cat was hilarious the film has amazing like what you said an amazing list of stars and the only detriment that i that i feel about the film is that, and this is not a new thing, this is like Wes Anderson's, he loves using the same characters, uh, the same actors over and over again. I felt like sometimes, like when I saw Edward Norton playing like the chief of the, yeah. of the military, I was distracted. I, I saw Edward Norton. I didn't see the guy. Right. In Moonrise Kingdom, I saw Edward Norton, but I just saw him as the crazy Boy Scout troop leader. Like right, I didn't right. see Edward Norton. Every once in a while, I, I stopped because I'm like, God, this is like a Quentin Tarantino film with no violence. You know, this is like all these crazy actors who are just showing up 
and you're supposed to believe that they're in Western garb or, you know, whatever. I, I, every once in a while, I would see an actor who's too big, and I'd be like, hmm, he's in this too. And, and you it know, would distract you know, me. And Ed, that's, Edward that's, Norton was a problem too because he didn't – it was almost like – I mean, he didn't fit the people he was standing next to Yeah, he almost at was, all. I wanted him like, to be in the film, but I thought he was the wrong person in the film. I would have liked to have seen him and Harvey Keitel switch places. Right. I would have easily believed Harvey Keitel was the military leader and right. Edward Norton was the, the prison guy. I mean, but anyway, that's the only distraction. But I'll be damned if I didn't almost crack up every time Jeff Goldblum was on screen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he has the strangest character. He's trying to play everything straight. He's, again, your favorite. You know, he's a lawyer. Right. You know, and he's just got these really fun things. He's almost like us in the movie. He, at some point, he just looks around. He's like is that guy really doing what he's doing? Like, did he just do that to my, you know, right. He's basically the neutral party who can't believe people are acting the way they are. Right. It, it was a riot. And, like, and it's, it's funny too with his character because he's, uh, there are, so there's the grand Budapest hotel that someone owns. Right. That at, uh, you know, during the telling of the story, it's actually, this kind of jumps back and forth in time yeah. because it's actually, it starts, Way later, uh, when the person who now owns the Grand Budapest Hotel, right, uh, which is kind of an interesting way to work through this story, because when we go back in time, we know who he is. Yeah, back in time, right, which is not what I was expecting to happen. I wasn't either until I thought it was great until all of a sudden it happened, and yeah. I was going, "Well, that's oh. not how you do that. You don't just say <laughs> right, right off the bat yeah. who you are, right." Yeah. Because he's telling the story about how he came to own the Grand Budapest Hotel, yep. and so we go. Well, it all starts with <laughs> it all starts with the uh, previous uh, concierge at yeah. the hotel guy. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> the, and then it's only a couple minutes later he he's like the new lobby boy, right? And they say his name. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay. I guess that. Well, wait a minute. That's so that. right. so he. Yeah. Right, you're like the whole surprise is over. <laughs> yeah, because we know who you are. So that you know that in itself was strange. But but so the majority of the movie is we're going back to tell the story of when he first was the lobby boy at the place, and you know it's it's a weird kind of I don't know it's like a sort of a throwaway sense. It's like the movie like makes you think something is happening yeah. and then it goes now we're not doing that right because it makes you think that right. what you're going to get into in the first place is try and figure out who it is that somehow came to own the hotel and right. who he is and then it goes no that's not what we're doing and, and, and because right and as the film is literally opening up it's like six minutes in it's saying that the grand budapest is now occupied by maybe nine or ten people they never cohort with each other they right. don't even, and it has this great scene where they pull back in the dining room and they're all at different single tables well from each other and i'm thinking oh it's kind of a whodunit and, and, One of these and, there's, people and, there's, the and there's like 50 tables yeah and there's only like nine <laughs> occupied and there's right. never been 50 people in there in like the past 20 years and, and the beautiful fun part is when this guy in a, in a Turkish bath leans forward to Jude Law and is like look if you're being polite it's okay tell me but if right. you're not I'd like to tell you my story tonight let's have dinner and they're the only guys sitting together I love that that was and great and they still have and they still have, uh, you know, the waiter comes and there's like oh, a yeah. full menu. Right. You can still order. He orders like, everything. Order, right. It's like it, that should afford us enough time to tell you the tale. Right. And and they go through the story. But anyway, um, it, so he goes through the story, and way most of the of the movie is this crazy ride that exists. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that kind of threw me about. Um, you know, you're you're trying to just kind of go along with it, right? Yeah. It kind of comes down to so so this rich woman dies, right? Who's the you know Duchess of Canterbury or Something. whatever the hell she is, right? Right. right. <laughs> and uh, it was it was the concierge at the Grand Budapest, which was a big happening place yeah. back in the day, apparently. Right. Which also is awesome because this place just can't exist the way we see it. Right. Nothing – that never existed. It almost literally is, like, filmed in a way to represent a memory. Like, right. it's, it's too perfect on this mountain scene where the snow is always beautiful. Like, right. And the way it's even filmed in, like, a vignette, it's almost like 
I'm just showing you my memory. Right. Like it, it, and it's and it's like I, I mean I don't mean that hotel never existed. No, I, I know. Mean, like just no hotel ever, ever existed right. that was like, like that, that. Right. right. And and you and you still walk through all the rooms and see all the things. But anyway, yeah. uh, so he is the concierge, and we quickly discover that he was like the concierge with benefits or whatever for like really old <laughs> right. women. Right. And and he got them all to like fall in love with them. And so the one who's the super rich lady who mm-hmm. who we ultimately find out owns like everything. Yeah. Right? There's they're in a. What was her name? They're in a Tilda. fictional place in Europe, yeah, right? Tilda Swanson. She was great, and uh, and she owns like everything for about five hundred miles My, yeah. in Europe, right? right. The newspapers and the yeah. this, the the munitions factory and all this stuff. We don't find that out until the end, but right. But she's, she's got tons and tons of money. She lives in a giant castle place, mm-hmm. and so what happens is they're reading the will, and he shows up. Uh, and there's all her family, and we finally get introduced to the family. Yeah. And and basically the will gets read, and they say, so the son gets this, and these daughters get this or whatever. Yeah. And then uh, the concierge guy gets this one painting. <laughs> the painting is awesome. And now, and it's like the worst painting you've ever seen. Boy with apple. It's like boy with like weird bird yeah, hand boy with an apple. claw thing, it. and it's weird. But anyway, it's this one famous <laughs> painting, and it's supposedly this super rare, like if you had like the world's most expensive painting or whatever it is. Yeah. And and the brothers go berserk. Right. Right. They've and, got everything they're but they're like, this. no, you can't have the painting. And yeah. it's like, does that even make sense? I mean, I yeah. suppose with the right people, it can make sense. But, right. you know, you'd never miss that. $18 million or whatever yeah. it could be worth or whatever, because little do you know, it makes more sense kind of when you're watching the movie. Right. Because you go, well, they have a big castle, but does that mean they have a bunch of money? No, but apparently no. they do. Right. I don't know. Anyway, um, so then the whole thing becomes <laughs> he took the new lobby boy with him, and now <laughs> here's this here's this little, uh, his name's Zero. Yep. Conveniently. Zero Mustafa. And... Uh, you know, man, he just gets like swept up in, yeah, in the craziest adventure that's ever happened. You've got to think that when the old Zero is telling the story, you know, uh, Jude Law's got to think that he's just making just it up. Lo- yeah, you're just right. you're, <laughs> you're having just to go at me, right? You're just me a yard and, me all night, right. yeah. Because it's like the they get arrested. He goes to he goes to jail. Yeah. And it's, it's like a shah, it's like a Shahrazad, like a story within a story. Right. Story. Right. It's the Arabian nights thing. Right. It is, I'll keep you alive as long as you keep telling the story. And zero's like, the story's never going to end. Right. Cause there's a lot of stuff that happens. Like in it, one of the things, sorry to jump in, but one of the things that's really weird is that the film feels like a movie play. Like it really feels like a stage production of right. something. There's so many characters coming in and out. Like you're saying, like if I had read the synopsis of what was going to happen and how, Okay, you meet all the hotel people and all the employees and then all these guests and then there's a prison and then there's all these prisoners. I mean, I'd be like, geez, this is five hours? Look, what is right. this? It throws all of these guys at you and none of them are accidental. They all are memorable. Uh, they, and they all work and none and of it and amazing. none of it none of it ever makes you think god is this still on right. and i'm right. still watching right. this like w- there's all this stuff happening and still you would think in any other movie what you'd be doing is going come on right get to it <laughs> I right mean, let's get to the boy with the apple thing and yet and yet not so much except you know for me i still stick by my rating i really loved most of this movie yeah until it got to that point Man, you I just hated that. I scene? loved the whole movie. No, I just, uh, I just. Well, oh, the end, the, the way I the just, end hit. I just didn't like that we got to a point where it just felt like Wes Anderson left and huh. and said, I "Wrap that together," or yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like we got all through this whole thing, and some of the scenes, even getting close to the end, are so awesome that like you can't even explain I... it. One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is, uh, so, um, you, you know, Gustav is yep. the uh, concierge guy, yep. M. Gustav, right. Monsieur Gustav, right? right? And he, <laughs> he ultimately breaks out of jail, and they have this plan with, like you said, Harvey Keitel and a couple other guys, and they have the most convoluted plan awesome. in the universe yeah. <laughs> to escape from a prison with these tiny little tools that right. come in, you know, and... 
And basically, it's it, once again, it's like a Rube Goldberg machine of breaking out of jail. Right. Because it's like if you – you know, the whole theory – it's weird that you mentioned that and it just like fits, it fits. so perfectly. I thought about it when I was watching but it. But the whole purpose uh, or the whole theory of a Rube Goldberg machine is to do something really simple. Right. Ultimately, to it, achieve it, a, a very simple thing, you know, like turn ul- on a light switch. Ultimately, yeah, you like right. push the toast thing down right. or you turn on a light switch or something. Yeah. And it's the most complicated thing ever. And our escape from jail, it's like if you right. could do all that right. that you actually went through to get out of jail, then you right. could have just there, – yeah. there had to have been a hundred other easier ways you could right. get out. If you could right. manage all of the – Well, it's like what you say. It's almost like they were like, no one will expect us to go this route. Right. But it's the hardest. Right. We go because through fire and earth and right. hell and demons and alligator. You know? Right. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, you're right. So, um, so he finally escapes, and uh, he pops out of this drain yeah. with the other guys or whatever, and there is Zero waiting for him because apparently he sent Zero a message that said, I'll right. be out at 8.30. <laughs> right. This is yeah. where I'll show up. Yeah. And uh, so he's waiting for him there. And then they have this really long conversation. Yeah. And it was awesome. It was awesome. It was the coolest thing ever. He starts asking Zero for stuff as though, you know, as though he'd never left. Right. As, as though like, they, where's my cologne? As my though perfume. they were still in the middle of the hotel. Right. 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 And nothing had ever changed. And and then he doesn't have it. Then he gets really mad at him. And then there. Then he's yelling at him. And then he apologizes. Yeah. And they go on and on. And it's like the greatest conversation yeah. ever. I love it. The whole thing comes together. But um, we should really wrap up. We've. Uh, I yeah, made, we, we booked I, I made the time, this, but we don't need the time. Yeah, yeah. I made this longer uh, just because I figured we're doing two movies. We might, we might ramble on. It, it, I guess as a quick exit, then look, there's a, there's a. I wish we could. You and I have talked about the Grand Budapest, and we'll talk about it more. But I it, it, to spoil it for anyone else, really, it it's so much fun. It's so ridiculously entertaining. Whether you like the ending or you don't, getting to it, you know, it's a hundred minutes long. It's an hour and forty minutes. Right. An hour and twenty five are going to be really, really crazy fun, and you may right. not like the way it ends, but but get to it and and just have a blast. Like it, just just enjoy the really, hell out of it's this. Really a bummer that this is the beginning of the year, and we were just talking about like, yeah. awards and the right. whole you know thing like that. Because when it's December, I'll remember this. how many people. Yeah, know, but, but you, you will. Right, yeah, right, right, right. But how many people well, are we going just, to still be talking about this and, and I know make we're, it get the you know right. buzz around? I know it. we're going to get off here quick, but uh, you know, end the show. But I remember when we were walking in, we were both like, "Man, this better be good." Yeah, it's been a long time since we wanted a film to be good and then got what we wanted, and this was great. Yeah, this it, was exceptionally fun, and it, it, well, it, I, I it really was. And uh, you know, the other, the only other thing I wanted. to uh, say real quick is, you know, we were talking about like the aesthetic and it's weird and crazy and yeah. there's weird colors and lots yeah. of it just looks weird. There's, there are parts where, you know, we were talking about how they're eating and there's this big dining hall and not only is there a big dining hall, but there's like balcony seating oh, uh, yeah, around yeah. the edge yeah. of the dining hall where you could be, and there's like a stage in the front, God knows what, but they, shoot that a couple of times in the weirdest way that almost makes it look like that might be a really, really small room. Right. And you don't know, and it's like some weird trick. Yeah. And there's parts where they have this specially designed weird railway car that goes like straight up a mountain. I love that. Which is totally awesome. Yeah. And it's little tiny cars that are connected, but like up diagonal like steps. It looks like a weird Tetris piece, you know, like gone wrong. And you go up practically like straight up the mountain and there's a part where they look at the hotel and then at the top of this cliff there's there's nothing there but the hotel <laughs> yeah and there's no other way to get to the nothing. hotel yeah and yet this is like the most popular place yeah and, and you go at up one like, point how could that anyway. fit like six people i mean it's completely insane but just the filming of it mm-hmm. when we at certain points they really want to point out that little car yeah that people are going up it and everything and they shoot it, and you see the hotel and the like backdrop and the whole map yeah. painting behind it, and God yep. knows what. Where it looks like, like you were saying, like it looks like this could be a play. Yeah. And and we just show this thing, and you know, there's some little there's some kid, kid with, with like a stick, stick yeah, yeah, exactly, moving that thing man. up. And it looks, it looks, it looks just like, like that. it looks like crazy. nothing. It looks like nothing you're seeing right now at all. And you know, what it's so terribly unique what's and weirdest about it is that like you were saying you know his 
beginnings pull you in and everything. Yeah. There's nothing real about anything that happens in no. the beginning of this. There's yeah. nothing that you go, well, I can believe that. Right, right. And yet you still do anyway. It's like you were there. Uh, I, I mean, he still pulls you into it like yeah. you could imagine that all You're, of a sudden yeah. this is a documentary about this hotel. Great, great characters, believable stuff, fun dialogue. And one of the things that Wes Anderson does that I thought was the smartest choice was he just takes the filter off. Like, don't think for a second that it's old English or 1890 or 1920s language. When Rafe Fiennes starts cussing and dropping F-bombs left and right, at least, you know, right. it, the, the dialogue takes a whole new turn. It's, it's very funny. Like, right. it's a lot of fun. And it worked on pretty much every cylinder. Like I said, the only detriment was that every once in a while I would see someone and be like, oh, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. He's not in it. But you, you see someone <laughs> right. and you can't stop seeing them. And it just stops me from a minute of being in what I was really in as a scene. Right. Aside from that, I thought it was nearly perfect. And then I, it, I had it so has, much fun. It has the weirdest little like throwaway kind of moments that are so perfectly set. Yeah. In a world where nothing could be perfectly set. Right. And it's like there's one part where, um, and like I said, it's like the movie sets you up for stuff. Yeah. And then and it keeps doing this over and over and over. It sets you up for this is what's happening and this is where we are and then something totally different it just happens. Totally comes out like field. you know the part where uh they they ultimately steal this painting. Right. Right. And then that's why everyone's after him. And that's you know, that happens really early. And then the cops show up. Yeah. And this is actually even in the trailer. Yeah, uh, right. that the cops show up and then he goes, oh, so you, she was murdered and you think I did it. And he's not even done talking and right. he just turns around and runs away. Right, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. It's the craziest thing. And then, you know, like even with uh, when uh, uh, Goldblum yeah. has his accident yeah. and, and, oh, man, I thought and that was like awesome. the cat and all this, there's all this stuff that you think – that's not how that's going to play out because that's right. not how that's not how a movie goes. That's not how this works. That's not how that character works. You've got Jeff Goldblum as the law- lawyer character, and you're thinking, you know, what happens with him closer to the end is, oh well, uh, maybe not. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, right. It's so weird that it's just you know, even still pulling everything together basically by just saying, what are the rules of storytelling? Right. And I'm just going to do the opposite. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. The, the the main character, the little boy who is the younger um, Zero, is great. Oh you know, yeah, he's he's a relative unknown. I think he's been in a couple of things, but nothing major. And his girlfriend, uh, Saoirse Ronan, is amazingly fun. Right. You know, it's just there's no weak performance out of anybody, and it, I I can't wait to see it again. <laughs> I can't. I actually, yeah. this is one I'm going to see. Soon. I I want to see what comes out on the Blu-ray of this. That would be cool. Yeah, that like, would be cool. Uh, what are the uh, bonus that would be features cool. or commentary or something? Right. All right, we're going to get out of here, and yeah. uh, conveniently the phones ring to let yeah. us know that New it's calls. time to go. And uh, next week's Captain America. Right. Next week is pretty clear, yeah. and we will uh, hope to see you again. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, share us with your friends. Uh, subscribe. Leave us ratings on iTunes and uh, anything else, and we will see you next week. Yeah, bye. All right, bye. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.